Hey, where are you from? So, uh, what do you do? That's what you get asked a lot, right? When you're meeting someone new, at a party, your dating profile. So tell the world the answer to both of those questions at the same time. We figured out how. We just launched a brand new online store that has all 50 states represented with gear for physical therapists. Now at ptpintcast.com. A stainless steel tumbler for a PT in Tennessee? Check. South Carolina physical therapist t-shirt? Yeah, we got that. Face mask for a Florida PT? Check and double check. Great gear for life, all showing off your profession and your home state. PT gear store available now at ptpinecast.com. So go there and you can show off your profession and home state at ptpinecast.com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. Like craft beer for your ears. This is the PT Pinecast. And before we get started, do you want to say thanks to uh, one of our sponsors keeping us on the air? this for sleep, for health, for stress reduction. It's like over the counter at a lot of places. Do you know how this will affect their treatment? 100%? We just had Chuck Saccone on the show. He wrote like the textbook in pharmacology and physical therapy. He's like, yeah, he's been presenting on uh, cannabinoids. Cannabinoids? Don't listen to me. Cannabinoids. Yeah, I didn't have it right. Um, how, how does this affect people's treatment? So find out the uh, the details at cbdrxforyou.com. They've got the uh, the information. And uh, we're giving away some free pint glasses thanks to cbdrxforyou.com as well at ptpinecast.com. Uh, excited to bring you the episode tonight. We're calling this one Uncharted, a patient experience with long COVID. We've done episodes for the last few months. A really insightful one, I thought, was we brought on an interprofessional team from Mount Sinai, New York. Great organization. David Petrino and his uh, his team there, colleagues. Um, and now we get to, I think, get more in-depth, get really, really insightful. We're going to talk to some clinicians who are also living this experience. No, I think. No, I, I guess. Or I measure. Like, I know. They know. So we're going to dig into that. We're calling it Uncharted. So uh, without further ado, let's, let's get into the episode. Kicking things off right, PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories in the world of physical therapy. I feel like we're going to hit all three of those tonight. All of them. Amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. We're going to learn some stuff here from some colleagues. Um, Uncharted, the patient experience with long COVID. We I, we started hearing about this. I think I was talking with the, with the team from Mount Sinai, like maybe like early summer because they were starting to hear. And like... In the, in the most unique way, they were hearing about long COVID or trying to put together these pieces because before it's a thing, it's a bunch of unconnected stories that nobody listens to because they're not connected because it didn't exist before. They actually learned about it from Facebook groups. Individuals living with long COVID were saying the medical community is not really paying attention to us. They're saying, yeah, we're patting you on the head. It's not a thing. Just you're it's it's in your head. So they were creating their own Facebook groups. And David Petrino, who we had on the show, was actually saying he needed to kind of talk his way in because they said, hey, you're a medical provider. No, get out because you're going to talk us. You're going to talk us down. That's not what we're looking for. And he's convinced. No, I'm, I'm here to learn. And he was able to do that. So tonight we get to bring on two PT colleagues who have been having a lived experience. Let's bring them on and have them introduce themselves. Daria and Ted, welcome to the show, lady and Gentlemen, 
Thank you for coming out. I've got to, the first question is always the hardest. So we start with the, with the hardest. So first off, uh, what are we drinking tonight? What do you guys have? In the spirit of long COVID and fatigue, I have Red Bull. Just Red Bull. I like it. Bold. Ted, what do you got? I'm going festive today. I have a margarita for the, it's Cinco de Mayo. For the day. Yeah. <laughs> I, I showed you the glass earlier. This is a, a tumbler. I did a beer in it earlier. Uh, right now I'm doing a vodka soda because it tastes just so good from this little metal, metal container. So uh, cheers to you both. Thanks uh, for taking your time to share some valuable insight and share your stories. So cheers to you guys. Uh, first round is brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science. They're a single source for PTs looking for certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. BFR. As the cool kids are saying these days, find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com. They've got their own podcast as well. Just released a new episode uh, talking about PFR. Uh, so let's just do this. I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, ladies first, like, you know, tell everybody, you know, who you are, where do you practice, where do you live? And then we'll get into the COVID story. But I want to find out about you and not, we'll get into the long COVID aspect of your life. But first you. All right, so I'm Daria Oler. I live in Northern New Jersey. I'm an athletic trainer and a physical therapist. So I currently work at Proactivity in Lebanon, New Jersey. My time's split between we're on site with employer clients. So we go to people's workplaces and help them do a lot of injury prevention, um, health promotion. And then I'm in the clinic doing a traditional orthopedic outpatient. Um, I specialize in working with youth athletes and dancers. So Proactivity, is that, is that Mike Eisenhart's? Um, yes. Okay. Yes, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I know that. I know that name. That's Mike Eisenhart. Perfect. Well, uh, glad to have you. Thank you for your time again. Ted, uh, what's your superhero backstory? Tell us about you. Yeah. So my name is Ted Deshane. I'm a PT outside of Detroit. Uh, my full-time main job is in a school system. I'm a pediatric therapist um, to start. Um, in the evenings, I go to the local children's hospital and work with some teenage athletes after school and then weekends, summers and breaks. I work at the local acute care hospital and adults, stroke, neuro, cardio, all the cover the whole bases there. So wow. between both of you, I think we have a lot of the bases in our profession co uh, covered. You guys have it down. And uh, for those of you watching a live stream, I don't know if we've had two more unique backgrounds and backdrops at the exact same time. <laughs> Uh, Daria, you, I mean, are you in a library or where, where are you located? I mean, is that why we're being quiet or how's this work? <laughs> yes, this is in my house. I have my own little home library. Just pan That's the, what sold me on the house. And the camera up. I think people need to understand how high this, like this is floor to legitimate ceiling library. Books. Uh, Jerry Durham books. is just be drooling all over the place. Well, that guy doesn't organize his books. He just has them in a pile in the corner of his apartment. And uh, and Ted, uh, tell us about tell us about this this here in the background. What do we got going on here? <laughs> yeah, we have a little uh, we have our little farmhouse. Uh, so we've got some animals outside, but these are our animals inside. So I love that. That's <laughs> cool. All right, so let's go let's go, ladies first. Uh, we're talking about long COVID. Um, do we have a working definition or how do we describe? Let's let's start with the most basic so we don't skip over some of that. So what are we talking about? Start with you, Daria. Yeah, it's interesting because there isn't one set concrete definition. I feel like it's like this constant work. So right now it's people who have symptoms for at least four weeks after their initial acute infection. And there's different thoughts on what it could be. Nobody knows definite. It could be a viral persistence. So like you just never fully cleared the virus. It could possibly be autoimmune, so your body's attacking itself. It can fit under people who have a post-ICU syndrome going on, that they were in intensive care and now are still having symptoms, or just like a general deconditioning after you have like a typical virus. So that's what you'd write down on a note, right? That's like the very clinical definition. Ted, how'd she do? 
Nailed it as usual. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've got that down. What do we know then? If we go a little deeper, do we, I mean, we, we know COVID is doing something. It doesn't do this to everybody. We know people who, some people who have had COVID, which is where in the intro of the show, I was talking, a lot of the medical community was saying, that's not, that's not related these two things are not related, which can be, I imagine, I don't, I don't want to, you know, put words in your mouth. I imagine terribly frustrating when people are telling you, this is not a, what you're experiencing is not real. That's got to be terribly frustrating. Yeah, I felt like I was really lucky from the beginning, from like March 16th, that all the lovely PTs on Twitter were telling me tweet about your experience, not knowing it would go in this direction, but just you're an N of one, we're going to learn from you. I'm like, okay. And then it just, you know, it kept going and going. But at no point in time was anybody being like dismissive towards me, at least like PT Twitter community, you know, everyone was very understanding and people already we're aware of post-viral illnesses if they work in myalgic encephalomyelitis, chronic fatigue. Um, so that was really helpful. But then at the same time, I interact with the rest of the world <laughs> where people, yeah, they are really doubtful and saying, I, it's probably in your head. I've heard anxiety many, many, many times, even though I'm not an anxious person. So how does it feel? How do you, how do you describe it or how have you described it in terms of what's going on um, symptom-wise? because we can't see those symptoms. Uh, we can measure some of those and those are signs. See, I paid attention to PT school. Um, but so, so what's going on? Talk to me about signs and symptoms. And I would love to hear from both of you to see the similarities and differences between those. Because again, what we've heard is these do not present in a nice little box. And sometimes we like to focus on, well, that didn't fall in this box. So we're not gonna pay attention to it. So let's, uh, whoever wants to go first, uh, jump in. Like, do, How do you describe what it feels like and what it does to your day? Yeah, it's it, it's really really strange feeling to be honest, and and the the interesting part is, um, you know, I didn't connect with Daria or the other PTs until probably later in like July August, um, and I had gotten my initial infection back in March of 2020. Um, but we we all seem to follow this like similar path of this like what what we call boom and bust or relapse and crash, and and you know as PTs we were all trying to push and run, and you know Daria and I are both runners, and we were both running and and Daria continues to run, but I'm not, I'm not as brave as she is. So, um, but, you know, and then we would just keep, keep crashing, which we now know is called post-exertion symptom exacerbation or post-exertion malaise, which is kind of the, one of the things we learned from the MECFS community. And, and we, we all kind of realized that that wasn't right. That's not how you're supposed to feel after you run, you know, you're supposed to get that runner's high and you're supposed to get some muscle soreness and yeah, you might be a little tired, but you know, two days later, you get back up and you can do it again. So, so we all, we all just knew something was wrong. And that was my first thing, just that crushing fatigue and, and the mismatch to what I was doing. You know, I wasn't running five Ks, 10 Ks. I was doing a light half mile, mile jog, and then, you know, being bedridden for two or wow. three days after. That doesn't match with what we're taught in PT school. And that was the thing that I'd seen on PT Twitter, which is like, Hey, pump the brakes. Um, more isn't necessarily best in this situation how'd that match up to, to to your experience similar same different yeah very similar i just was in a lot of denial about it ted was a little better and stopped <laughs> i did not it took a while because i'm just with my background it's just like no you push that's what you do is you push right. and um so i would run and and in early on i would like lightly run nothing crazy and then i just ramped up as soon as our running club at work got up and going again i just like sure seven and a half miles this is a great idea so i would come home and like literally could not get up off the floor of the couch and i would wait it out and then just get back up and go on with the rest of my day like not putting those pieces together so from the beginning i 
recognize, you know, like I would have, a lot, I still get shortness of breath, a lot of chest tightness. I would get like pain deep in my chest. Those things, you know, I recognized were bad, but I wasn't picking up on the, just the really bad fatigue. And then I was experiencing brain fog pretty early on, but I didn't know that was a symptom. I didn't know what that was. So I had just started working at Proactivity and I thought I was just really bad at my job doing things on a computer. I'm not like a big computer person. And I was like, why is this so hard? I'm like, running Google sites. Like it's not hard. And right. I just, and I was struggling. Um, so I danced and we were on zoom and I couldn't learn my choreography, which is really, really unlike me, but I didn't know those were symptoms. So I was just chalking it up to just, you know, the pandemic in general. And then because through Twitter started to learn about all these other symptoms people are experiencing going, Oh, that's what that was. <laughs> those are symptoms. A lot of things happen to us through the day. Uh, they say clinicians or anybody in healthcare, we're typically the worst patients because we'll just kind of ignore stuff or say, no, nah, I can downplay that. Uh, you add in the runner, the dancer mentality or the push through mentality, which is like, hey, I got I got knocked on my ass and I know what I was taught, which is to push. And then, you know, eventually the, you know, the, you'll get back to where you were. And that's what we know now is what we're starting to see, which is that is, in fact, not the best way to do it. So what have you what have you guys found that has been more successful? Is there is there an objective, a subjective way to say this much is good? Is it like, what is it? Is it RPE? Is it, does it, does it change day to day? What, what is better for you? One of the things I've been looking at is how often I crash. So I'll say too, like, we don't have all the correct terminology or vocabulary yet. Like this is all we're figuring out as we go. So the crashes are what I call like when I literally can't get up, there's points like I can't pick my head up. I can't speak. Um, so I look at the, the decreasing frequency in that I think is good. And then how long they last where I had what I'm calling a relapse. I, I really don't know. At the beginning of February, I felt like body aches, all my nerve tension tests were positive. That went for a whole week. It happened again, two weeks ago, just for one day. So I'm taking that as a good sign that I seem to be bouncing back quicker. Um, but from symptom severity, it varies constantly day to day. So I learned not to just go off of like how fatigued I am one day or how bad the brain fog feels one day. Yeah, David Poulter chiming in, right? Validate the signs and symptoms, post-viral syndrome, uh, not new. And he's citing things like Ebola, Epstein-Barr, or uh, Zika. Man, oh my gosh, remember Zika? I mean, that was like 15, 16. That feels like a million years ago. Wow. Um, Ted, same question. What have, what have you noticed been has been a good way for you to to validate these for yourselves? Yeah, you know, it's really hard because, um, you know, day to day, it is different. Some days, what you can do one day, you might not be able to do another day. And you might not notice the cumulative. So you could do, you know, just push a little too much Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And even though you only went a little bit over, you might have triggered your crash. So you can't look at it like a RPE. You can't look at it like, you know, how am I feeling kind of thing. It's, it's really tough. I think the best thing that we've found I found, and I know Daria, Daria is really good at this too, is the heart rate monitoring, looking for those spikes, those spikes in your heart rate that don't match what you're doing and, and the inability to bring them down after you rest. So usually that's kind of when I know I'm pushing myself, if I can see that spike in my heart rate, um, and then I, I kind of know that I'm pushing too far and I have to back off, so. Uh, you you talked about heart rate. You've talked a lot, a lot on social media, like noticing trends in your heart rate. Talk about that. Yeah, so it's, you know, I, I wore a Fitbit prior to, to my infection. So I have some quote unquote, you know, unofficial data of, of my heart rate. And looking back at my, uh, my resting heart rate, you know, it was down in the 50s, 60s kind of there. And, 
And then like two weeks after I got sick, it jumped up to like 70s, um, you know, and now I'm, I'm seeing it consistently up there. And I do notice it fluctuating with how I'm feeling. So those higher resting heart rates tend to be during or right before my crashes or relapses. And then when I start to see it come down is when I start realizing that, yeah, I'm coming out of the fog, so to speak. So. Dari, you talk about this a lot on social media in terms of, and I like the fact that you you do a lot of like almost live tweeting, like, hey, went for a run, had this and and this happened, which I think is really insightful. So talk about your experience with monitoring your own your own heart rate. It took a while for me to look at this again. I I had a Fitbit for a long time, and now I have a Garmin for activity. We have the PT Health study, and I just but I wasn't paying attention to it. I was just being stubborn and not looking. And then after a while, after everybody else started to talk about it, so I, I really pay attention to it now. And I'll give an example. So yesterday I jogged like a 16 minute pace for people who are runners. This is so slow. Jogged a mile, watching my heart, literally I, the app is open. I'm watching my heart rate, trying to keep it under 120. And then I was like, you know what? I want to go a little bit faster, just what feels normal to me and see how it goes. And I pushed a little too much. I went for about half a mile. And then you can see a trend where my resting heart rate is kind of here. And then after the run, it's just kind of hanging out here the rest of the day. And I feel like amped up. I explain it that I perform and I feel like I just got off stage in that like big adrenaline rush, but that was for like the entire rest of the day. That'll happen after a long work day. I'm revved up. I talked to Ted the other day after I had, we shot a music video for my dance company and I'm sure I was going a hundred miles an hour and I just get these huge adrenaline surges and it'll correlate with an increase in heart rate. And then I started to look to not just at the um, connect app for Garmin. And then for productivity, we have our own dashboard for the PT health study I'll look at, but specifically like looking at the Garmin in real time, because I'll get a quick little spike and it won't come up because it'll, you know, average things out in the app. So like I went up a flight of stairs the other day and it was 114, just one flight of stairs walking at a normal pace, wasn't doing anything else. People joke. They're like, no Fitbit. I'm just brushing my teeth. I'm not exercising. And that's common. That's a really, really common thing for us. So for those of us particularly who already exercise, we know what was kind of a normal heart rate range for things. And now we're seeing these big spikes, literally just sitting up, standing up, doing basic walking. Wow. Um, I love how you just mentioned uh, ways that we're communicating uh, with with people who understand something together. Uh, sometimes people use the word tribe, right? So other people who are experiencing and you wind up putting your own words or jargon or you're able to like kind of tell like inside jokey kind of stuff or things that only the group under can really understand how have you been communicating with with other people because i'm always fascinated because people find a way and i mentioned at the top of the show there were some facebook groups but how have you guys been communicating with other people going through the same experience and what have you found when you did communicate there Oh, this is great. So on Twitter, <laughs> I tweeted something that like, we need our own PTs, need our own hashtag to start like just documenting what we're going through because this yeah. is our profession. This is what we deal with. And then Darren Brown and I, he's in the UK, found each other. And then he is on top of everything. So we have a Facebook group specifically, it's called Long COVID Physio. So for PTs, PTAs um, who are going through it. And it is just for us, like you had mentioned, Dave Petrino, like you have to have long COVID to be a physio to be in it. So we can, we have those inside jokes. I like yesterday I tweeted about team sweaty because we have autonomic dysfunction and we sweat like crazy sometimes. Um, and it's great because it's like a safe space. We can talk just frustrated as patients or get a little more clinical into stuff because we do have that background and we find people, I'll see someone on Twitter. This is how I found Ted. And then, you know, kind of invite them into the group if they're more than welcome to join because people don't know if you're not, you know, overly involved in PT Twitter, you might not be aware. 
and people will send people to me and then I can refer them to our group. Yeah, not a lot of uh, not a lot of Google AdWords going on for people uh, right now, anyway, for people living with long COVID. But you have to, you ha- and that's the thing, you have to um, shepherd those people towards the places that are places they can get it, good information that people are going to, you know, and, and exchange good good knowledge. Um, what have you picked up? You know, you mentioned uh, long COVID physio. We're gonna t- we got that on the screen at long COVID physio. Um, interacted with with them on 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 Twitter a few weeks ago when I found that I was like, yeah, there's there's an organization, there's a group of people who are saying we've got something we need to share. And from the communications guy, me, I'm like, yes. And we just picked up a tool, whether it be a social media feed, a website, a podcast, of a YouTube channel, and we're gonna direct the information through there. So uh, describe long COVID physio if someone is listening right now or knows another clinician. What can they find there? What can they get out of that experience? Yeah, so we we started out as as Darius said a just peer support group. We were we were just purely validating each other and and you know saying, hey, is this did this happen to you? And then everyone would be like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. And so at first it was just kind of like, you know, am I maybe I do just have anxiety? I've been told it so many times, maybe it is. But right. then hearing other people talk and 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 say they went through the same thing completely independent of your experience. Um, you know, really drove home that, yeah, this is what I'm experiencing and this is real. And, and, you know, here's the, here's the um, research we have looking at previous things and here's what has helped us. And then as that evolved, we kind of realized, you know, Hey, we have a skill set also as clinicians and we need to share this. So, you know, we, we've seen too many people try what we tried and we don't want other people to go through the trial and error that we had to go through. So that was kind of the secondary you know, benefit of this group is we we were able to reach out and say, hey, you need you need to stop and and if you're a PT treating this, you need to take a step back and and see what's going on. And and the and the fellow clinicians will, for better or for worse, probably take your insight with a little more value, right? Like because you speak the same language, and that was the thing that I kept hearing what you guys were talking about, which is when you get people who can speak multiple languages, man, they start to really really communicate really well. So you having other clinicians listening to you a little more they're saying okay i've got a, a colleague who also is living this experience i'm going to pay attention to a lot a lot because they are giving me some really really good insight um i have i, I mentioned this briefly before i don't know if i've ever actually come full out and, and said it but uh living in new york city on march 17th st patrick's day last year left the city because i was like this it's just not feeling great i want to get upstate new york so i went to to live with my brother mom my mom came to pick me up and the I went for a run, crashed so hard on the couch. I mean, went for like a three mile run, which shouldn't have crushed me like a like a half marathon. Woke up like two hours later, felt like garbage. This is March 2020, so I couldn't. The next day, I was like, I think I got this thing, and I'm like, oh my god, I just left the city, walked into my brother's house, uh, couldn't get a test. I didn't get a call from the New York State uh, testing, you know, whoever was doing testing for till July. But so if you ask me, Jimmy, did you have COVID? I can't say yes. But I was in bed, crushed for like 14 days, sleeping for like 20 hours a day, and that's not real typical for me because you know, you know, pretty active guy. Uh, so I would say, yeah, I had that. I would say I was back to not feeling what you guys were explaining. It took me a month and a half to two months, but I kept hearing people saying, "No, on the news they say like you get over it." It's, I mean, then March 2020, it's the flu. Like I've had the flu. The flu sucks, but it sucks for like a week or a week and a half. So I was feeling that too, where I was kind of like, "Is this, is this gonna 
be a thing all the time or what is this? And, you know, March, 2020, nobody had an answer. So it was scary. I mean, it was very scary. And I, I imagine it still is. Yeah. I specifically remember like early May tweeting something about like, in my mind, this is now chronic. Like it's not, it's no longer like an acute illness. Right. And I, it was just because of this, this stuff kept going on. I kept trying to walk, not even run at point, just walk, trying to do some basic things with dance. And I was like, I just don't feel right. I don't, I, I would struggle with the simplest things. I was yeah. like, I don't know what this is. I hadn't heard, you know, long haul or long COVID. None of that was out yet. And I was like, this is it something different. Wasn't invented yet. You guys invented, I mean, you had to invent your own terminology and vernacular. Uh, David asking, why do you think some physical therapists are finding it hard to accept exercise is not best for long COVID? We're going to get into another hashtag that you guys have been talking about. Um, I want to hear your insights. I've got it. I've got a, a thought, but, and I'm pretty sure you guys are gonna have something similar. So why do you think some other PTs are finding it hard to accept that exercise is in fact not best? Well, <laughs> uh, probably the same reason we still have some clinicians doing some other things that are a little sketchy at best. You know, we, we, we know what we know and we're, we're stuck there. So, but also, you know, it's just not our, it's, you know, our, I always said my mantra used to be when I was in patient rehab is, you know, one more time, let's do this one more time. And, and that's just what we do. We push, we, we push ourselves, we push our patients and, and we've seen results from that, you know, in other in almost every other situation, yeah. we've seen results for that. So it's hard, hard to wrap our PT brains around, Hey, something's a little different here. And, and, and I, that's just seems to be a pervasive issue in our, uh, our profession here. You were, you were smiling and smirking when you saw this question <laughs> pop up as well. What do you think? Part of it too is, you know, like we preach so much about how important it is to exercise and be physically yeah. active. We could talk for hours about why it's dangerous to be sedentary, immediate long-term and all of that. And then you're like, because I went through this and like, so now what do I do? I, I can tell you like my health concerns, like my bone health, because I'm not weight-bearing, running and doing all that. And it's so hard to like make that work in your brain. You're like, all right, well, you need to rest but now you're running the risk of all these other things happening. So how do you find that like middle ground? Balance. And we're so goal oriented, <laughs> you know, that like someone even said to me, like, what would your goals be then in PT? Because it's not progressing resistance or time or whatever with exercise. So how, like, what, what do we do with us then as PTs? Like, what am I supposed to do if somebody walks into the clinic, if I can't progress them through exercise? So you asked, I get, I get to just throw it back on you. What, what would you set as goals? Would it be more subjective or, or carefully objective you know, short-term objective, like here's where we are right now. So what would it be for, with, with goals when you have someone walking in and working with you? Me and Daria were talking about this the other day. We kind of are, uh, we're at a slight disadvantage because we don't treat anyone with long COVID, you know, we just live it. So we have a slight blind spot there, but um, as far as how we've kind of treated ourselves, or I'll speak for myself anyways, is is setting goals for activity tolerance and, and setting, you know, doing more education-based therapy and activity tolerance. Um, you know, just getting through the day is, is usually my goal, you know, just yeah. making it through a work day and, and getting through that without a crash is my personal goal. So, um, you know, it's, it's gotta be big on education, activity management, you know, that's where you can bring in kind of your OT friends too and get some advice there on modifications, accommodations, um, that kind of stuff. What do you think and I look at it like um, I look at it too is that the 
the patient or us, <laughs> we're learning how to incorporate, which we'll get to like the stop rest pace that we're able to identify points in the day to how we can modify, you know, what we're doing to allow us to keep going. Are you able to find strategies? Are you able to find the ways you can modify things a little bit? And then I specifically to look at like, how often am I crashing? <laughs> you know, am I able to do an activity and monitor my heart rate and keep it where it should be not just say I feel really good so I'm going to go all out in my dance rehearsal because that's going to go horribly so am I able to consistently look at my heart rate and know all right I at the times where I need to pull back so I don't crash later on yeah uh so you did allude to it which is another hashtag that has kind of come out of this which is hashtag stop rest pace I do like things like this from a communications guy, which is simple. Three, you've got musketeers, you've got bears, you've got amigos, especially on Cinco de Mayo. So three is kind of the magic number. So with that hashtag being stop, rest, pace, walk us through that for managing symptoms. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty basic, which is another reason it's great, right? So if you feel if you feel those symptoms coming on, your first, your first thing is to stop. Um, you know, if you... At first, it was really hard, but as you as you kind of learn your body a little bit more, you you kind of can feel the the crash coming on. You know, you start to feel that what I describe in my for my body is like a battery draining feeling. Like I'm like, oh, I'm getting low on charge here. So so that's when I know I need to stop whatever I'm doing, whether that's working, whether that's housework, you know, whatever I'm doing, I got to stop. Whether it's computer work, um, and then you have to rest. That's the healing portion. You have to rest. To get through that crash you can't push through the crash um and then the pace is kind of what you do after you kind of get through that that's how you prevent the crash you know you you modify your day you modify your break periods your position you know maybe you need to do something sitting down or supine that you would normally do standing um that kind of thing so it's just an easy way to kind of think about what you do if you feel that crash coming on and how to prevent it from happening and this was something that um our colleagues and friends over at um, our PT for ME um, really helped us out with and kind of pumped the brakes when we were pushing through and they they kind of brought us to that and made sure we knew what was going on so we didn't hurt ourselves further. I mean Ted as you explain this like you know this is I mean when you say hashtag stop rest pace a lot of this has to do with um, changing beliefs and psychology I mean, we just talked about that. Like, I mean, why do you think some PTs are finding it hard to accept that pushing more? And again, like, you know, I myself am guilty. I'm like the worst patient, right? I got a calf strain right now. So I was like, well, I could probably run for a little bit. I'm like, no, you would never, you would tell someone don't do that, but I'll just, because I can push through it. So there's a lot of psychology and being able to be um, okay with it. And you both had mentioned um, being told this is in your head and you're just being anxious and da, da, da. There's a lot of like where this over communication with peers or with healthcare providers saying, no, what you're feeling is valid and you should, I'm going to validate your experience here. So doing this stop rest pace does not mean you're not pushing hard enough. Does not mean you're trying, you know, you're, you're not trying hard enough. Doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're giving up or you're not, you know, any of those things, because that right now, as we know, as the Mandalorian would say, this is the way. Yeah, it's been interesting. Like I, was, I sent Ted a screenshot the other day where to show how hard I was trying, I did a, Murph, a modified Murph workout last Memorial Day and my heart rate went up to the 180s and was hanging out there for the run at the end, just like jogging normally. Like I didn't even feel like, yeah, horrible things. And I didn't know to look then. 
And now I've completely changed where I'll, as soon as I get back from my super slow mile jog with the rest, I lay supine. That supine is the best thing. And I know you've talked about this before on other podcasts um, with autonomic dysfunction and trying to help things like come down. Um, so I've had to learn how that rest is literally lying down with as minimal like stimuli as possible, not mm -hmm. watching a movie, not talking to people, just literally full, complete rest to let everything calm down again, which is such a change for I think what all of us are typically used to doing, like, oh, I'm resting as we're on our phone and on our computer doing multiple, multiple things. Right, right, right. I mean, they, they got into the very, in that one episode we did with the team from Mount Sinai, which was uh, like even the breathing, like changing how you breathe. And you're like, I don't know, I've been breathing uh, pretty much every day my whole life. I think I got this thing down. And uh, I forget his name, but he's, he uh, works with Stasis now. He kind of created that company. He he was a former EOD. He was a former like explosives. He was a bomb guy in the military and he's like trust me we need to know how to control our breathing and it can make a big difference and you're highlighting all of those things where it's important to to notice all those factors so if you need to if you're saying rest well what is that what does that mean like follow up with that question what do you think rest means and when you're saying well i'm walking around my house i'm just kind of cleaning up not rest not rest is there anything i didn't ask anything we didn't get into that um you think is important for, I mean, our audience, mainly clinicians who are, you know, many of them probably going to be working with individuals who are living with this. Um, we talked about peer support and in, in long COVID physio talked about the strategies, anything we didn't bring up. I, I was just going to kind of go along with the stop rest pace. You know, we, we've got a lot of questions ab about um, what that means and what we're advocating for. And, and we're not saying that everybody with COVID or everybody all of your patients need to abide by this, you know, um, hashtag, um, you know, there is a time and place for exercise. Obviously we've been doing it for years and we know when it, when it is good, but we just, we're not asking for clinicians to stop exercising their patients and promote inactivity. You know, there's a time and a place for exercise and there's, you know, now we're finding out there's a time and a place for not exercising. So, um, you know, finding that fine line is, is why PTs are good at what they do. And, um, you know, we're just asking for a little more caution and a little more, you know, thought process behind what you're doing and, and looking at the response to, to your intervention. I mean, my friend Megan Valenzano, who works in, in regulatory, would, would appreciate this. What we call what we do skilled care It is skilled care because you need to pay attention. There is a skill behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, anything, you, anything I didn't ask you look like you're about to jump in. Yeah, with the breathing. Um, so this was the thing that oddly was like kind of foreign to me and I've been finding a lot of help from all the respiratory PTs who are in Canada or the UK and there's one specifically Jessica DeMars that I worked with through Zoom and she had just nailed everything that was going on with me that I couldn't see so and I know that you guys got into this on a previous podcast too but the tendency to be like hyperventilating a lot the tendency to be have all that accessory breathing and learning how to do like true slow diaphragmatic breathing to calm things down to get that parasympathetic nervous system and I had even been experiencing really, really painful costochondritis. And she tied that into all the hyperventilating, everything that was going on that I didn't realize. And it was just taking someone who knows she has her niche. She's really good at what she does and has been working so hard to apply that to long COVID. And there's tons of PTs who are doing that. So it's kind of like finding all the people that, okay, this is your area and this is your area, you know, and how do we tie this all together? Because it's not going to be just one PT, wow. one OT, one, whatever. It's, it's a very big team approach. And again, taking who knows what and what thing. And then, all right, well, I've seen this before and you've seen this before. And how do we put this all together to best help the patient? I mean, that's just expertise. That's where like when you crowdsource, an idea or a solution 
man, you get some really innovative. I mean, it's like it's like um, it's like turning turning to Reddit for a solution. I mean, you get like a bunch of different insights, and when you approach problems from from vastly different approaches, and I know we're we're all individuals, we're all unique as snowflakes, right? We're PTs. We kind of come at things generally from a direction, and when you come at things from you know, somebody who works in, in breath or OT, like they come at it from a just a different angle, not better, not worse, just different. And sometimes they just see things differently. And uh, you, 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 you get a, a, a different look at a problem and hopefully you can find some different so- solutions for that. So um, I appreciate you guys doing what you're doing. And I, I urge people to, uh, to reach out long COVID physio and that, that group and, and, and follow along as they share information there online and in audio as well. Um, I love when I see people doing that, really mastering the communication, because that's, I mean, that's empowering and that's validating in a lot of those things that we talked about. Um, before I, before we do three questions, is there any, I want to make sure I didn't, I, I didn't cut you guys off. Anything you didn't want to throw in? I'll add one more thing. So if anybody is seeing a patient, whether it's for long COVID or not, because you might be seeing someone for like a straightforward orthopedic issue, or I run into people um, with our employer clients who are talking to me about like their elbow or something, is just listening. And people might not, like me, might not realize what they're saying. So specifically, like if you have somebody who's explaining like this crippling fatigue with basic things, whether it's work, exercise, anything that just seems weird to them, um, or there's so many weird autonomic dysfunction symptoms. <laughs> there are so many. And, and as people explain them, like you're saying it and like this, I sound crazy, but then you meet other people. Like I literally just met somebody, one of the employer clients the other day who's just had gotten out of hospital and we're talking and I could see his face as I'm saying, like, I understand this. Like, I, trust me, I know exactly what you're going through because I go through this, but it's just like having really listening to what people are saying and picking up on things. If it just sounds odd or abnormal or not what you would expect to ask more. And then to also just be aware if there's anybody in your community or virtually that you can refer them to. Well, think about what we're saying. Like, remember, like, I mean, even early on, we were saying, well, loss of taste and smell. I'm like, dude, that's not normal. Like, that's not normal. So like these other things, they fall within that. Like, hey, this isn't normal either. Like, so don't discount anything. So, I mean, I think what you're saying here is, you know, really make sure you're listening and saying, I'm not going to rule anything out right away. I'm going to keep that here, uh, you know, close to me before I make a giant decision on whether or not this is or is not part of this. Because again, remember when we started getting that information, maybe like mid spring, it's like, well, loss in taste and smell. And I'm like, what? We're dealing with that. Like, how does that affect? Like we, someone is writing, someone will do their entire research career on this time right now. And they'll look back and it'll be super obvious when you look backwards, but pretty much everything's obvious when you look backwards. So yeah, I think that's great, which is listen, don't discount anything. All right. You guys ready to do uh, three questions on the show? I'll take that as yes. We're doing three questions. All right, three questions brought to you by our friends at FusionMedStaff.com, leaders in hashtag travel physical therapy. I take an area of the country for a test drive if you want. Give that a shot. Uh, short-term assignments, long-term assignments, whatever you need. Uh, FusionMedStaff.com. They also have something called job transparency. They're not going to dangle you along and make you go back and forth in calls and emails for a couple weeks or months before they tell you, oh, this is how much it's paying or this is where it is. I mean, you want information. You're professionals. 
they'll just have job transparency. So find them online, fusionmedstaff.com. All right. So three questions is uh, first one will go uh, Daria and then uh, Daria and then uh, Ted. And then first question is a where question. You're in Northern Jersey now, but once you're free to move about the country, where is someone you're like, I got to go. I cannot wait to go. San Diego. Diego. I hear it's Spanish for old wooden ship. I say that every time. That joke never gets old. I'm sorry. Ted, where are you going? I haven't been to Hawaii yet. That's on my uh, list. Got to go. And here's the best part about both those places. There are humans there. And where there are humans, they need physical therapists. How great of a profession do we pick, guys? You can go do that where you want. Uh, second question is a what question. I'm I'm feeling like you're going to you're going to pick a book just for some reason of the aesthetic. But what is something that both of you have either watched or listened to or read that you think the audience would get value from? And I like I, I leave this open ended on purpose. It could be anything. So I'm ready with my prop. There you go. Brain, there we go. Brain on fire. I don't want to give too much away in case people read it. But this is a journalist who had gotten sick. Um and it was not obvious what was going on. And people were trying to say it was psychiatric and it wasn't. And she's a journalist. So when everything was fixed, she put out her story. She made sure to make it known, which is sort of like a little, I look up to her for that reason. And now she reaches out to other people to help them if they end up in the same situation wow. she was in. Did you read um, uh, uh, Butterfly and the Diving Bell? Diving Bell and the Butterfly? That was a great way. He, I don't want to give too much away, but this guy had a lot. Did he have Guillain-Barre or was locked in syndrome? He blinked, locked in, yeah. he blinked the book. And by blinking, I mean like he blinked five times to get the letter E and then 50, I mean, he blinked the book. When you realize that like a quarter of the way in, you're like, oh my God. So like, that's a great patient perspective. I would throw that in there as well. Like very like, similar to like someone who knew how to tell a story. All right, Ted, uh, what is your uh, you know book, movie, podcast, something that you think the audience can get value from? Yeah, I'm going to do a little plugging here for the long COVID physio podcast. I think um, if you yourself are experiencing it or you have a patient who you feel may be experiencing it, it's just a great, um, you know, Derry has one. I have an episode um, with Darren Brown. Um, it's just a great way to validate what you're feeling and you'll be nodding along the whole time if you are going through long COVID and gives you some really good tips and tricks and learn about how we failed um, at first and, but we made it through and, and you don't have to do the same thing. I tell people all the time, and obviously, like podcasting is something I'm, you know, close to. As Leanne Carruthers is uh, saying hi and thank you for sharing your story from all the way from Alaska. Thanks, Leanne, for watching. Um, podcasting to me, as technical as it might look, is spoken word that's that just gets to go further than sound might normally do it. So I, I think that's why. I mean, I look at it. I mean, I might like treat it a little bit differently. I think it's terribly intimate and very personal, and it can be because you can hear so much um in someone's voice and how they say something or when they pause i mean obviously i'm a little biased but i like i like using that dimension of sound so i think that's great um last question on three questions is a who question who is someone the audience should know more about ted just mentioned him darren brown one of the other uh, physios at long COVID. he is doing amazing things if you want to see somebody who is just stepping into where just getting information out in all these different platforms he runs our website and all our social media and everything we don't know how he's doing it because he also has long COVID, but he is making sure he is doing the work that he needs to so we can help educate each other and then help our patients yeah i'm reading a book right now about like innovation and creativity and the three components that this author, Steven Johnson, just laid out, which is you need to have expertise, you need to have creativity, lateral thinking, and then you need to have be internally motivated. 
If you are not internally motivated, you will not be innovative. Darren is clearly internally motivated. Like in like he, this is a thing that he needs to plant his flag in and get out. That that's fantastic. I love him. Oh, you find out people are doing that. All right, Ted, who's your who? Um, I'm going to give a shout out and thank you to our uh, physio for Emmy friends. Uh, they're at physios for Emmy on Twitter. Um, they've just been a wealth of information. There's, you know, a whole bunch of them to name, but if you go to that, you'll find a bunch of retweets and tweets from lots of good clinicians who have been dealing this for dealing with this for way longer than we have. And they've been a great wealth of information and, um, super helpful to, to our group as well. So. In an age of like, you know, uh, people yelling fake news and disinformation. It's great when you find those 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 great examples of people who are sharing good information for good intentions for the right reasons in a good way, like just all the light bulbs. All right, that's uh, that's three questions from our friends at FusionMedStaff.com. Now it's time. I, I like how we're breaking out the Red Bull for this. Let's get some energy. Your parting shot. how fancy that graphic little spinning cubity thing there from our friends at the academy of orthopedic physical therapy if you're looking to level up your game be a better orthopedic physical therapist who better than the academy of orthopedic physical therapy again orthopt.org uh current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy a great roadmap if you're looking to uh to, to get that board certification your ocs um uh, tissue tolerance on the micro level they've got a, a course there tissue tolerance and then the running athlete so more of a, a micro and a macro look so again their website is orthopt.org so parting shot is your last chance mic drop moment what do you want to leave with the audience what do you got for us all right um you know i think the biggest thing in pt even outside of long COVID, is just listening to your patient believe your patient you know uh, what they're what they're feeling is what they're going through and the only way you're going to get them better is if you believe them and, and prove to them that you believe them um you know we we've been told we have anxiety a lot of times and um you know uh so when you get the, the the clinician or therapist who believes you and tells you your symptoms are real um even outside of long covid that's the clinician who's going to get you better so just listen to your patient and believe them and you're going to make them better. I just heard build a relationship, good communication skills. Don't disclose, don't discount anything that's that words to live by right there. All right. Parting shot. You got the Red Bull ready to go. What do we got for you? So be open to paradigm shifts. This is, I think long COVID is a great example, but it's our, just our profession in general that you need to be open to learning. If you've known something to be a certain way for your entire career, it might not be the way it actually is. And because we've seen some resistance from some people with accepting how we approach treating long COVID. So just be open to learning, look to the literature, look to all of these incredible experts that you can access on social media. Um, David Poulter's one who's been really helpful through all of this. And just be willing to challenge yourself. Don't sit on, you know, you're comfortable where you at, constantly look to learn and grow. Yeah, this is what we know now is a great way to look at it but what could we know tomorrow right so don't just take this and say this is the way uh this is the way to learn new things so thank you guys for being open thank for you the rest of the group and everybody who's kind of found each other and, and sharing your stories which is super personal and super intimate but doing that will help others and you you know that but i want to make sure the audience knows that and th that's the way to to really make connections and to really learn something true uh, so thank you both for doing that. I've I, I learned a lot. I hope the audience did too. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs>
Love the PT Pinecast? Yes, yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. And it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I absolutely love you. I love you, love you, love you. It's awesome. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.